And let's ask the King once more to speak to our hearts, please. Lord, Jesus, I know that you're here with us right now. I feel your spirit here, King, and I'm so happy that you're with us. Would you speak to every single heart? Would you let every single person walk away blessed? Speak clearly. I don't know what to say. But I know you do. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 5. As we've been mowing through the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, overview of the seven days God created in the earth. Chapter 2, we see a little bit of close-up, the telescope-eye view of what's happening up close and personal. Chapter 3, what do we have there? Chapter 3, we have, oh, well, Adam and Eve, of course, I believe, I'm sorry. Chapter 3, oh, we have the fall of Adam and Eve, yes, exactly. Fall of Adam and Eve, in chapter 4, we have Cain and the boys coming around Abel, just as we've talked about. And now, we are coming up to what? Genesis chapter 5, it's a genealogy, a listing of all the descendants from Adam to Noah. And we're going to take a look at this quickly and thoroughly, the best I can, what the Lord has brought to me, the manna from the king. And so let's start together in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Interesting. Why do you write, this is the book of the generations of Adam? Interesting. Because I don't believe when he was writing this, he said, chapter 5. No, there was no chapters or verses. He was writing another book to put together, you see. Starting once again. In the day that God created Adam, or man... And the likeness of God made he him. Male and female he created them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Interesting. Verse 2. Let's look at it together. We're going to stop right there. Check something out. Male and female he created them. You've heard it. It's not, what is it, Adam and Steve? It's Adam and Eve. You know. You know. It's male and female he created them. And notice the first marriage here. Do you see it? Male and female, he created them and blessed them, right? God has blessed us when we come together as a couple. He puts his blessing upon us, saying that this is right in the sight of God. Two coming together in one flesh. The, the, the woman leaving the father, the parents, and the man coming aside her. The oneness and God blessing it. This is right. Adam and Eve, this is right. I bless this. You see that? You don't see God blessing anything else. Interesting. Secondly, look what he calls them. And he called their name, what? Adam. He called their name. Adam and Eve, he called them Adam. He called them Adam. He called them Adam. Call, he called them the man's name. Adam's name. Maybe the man taking the last name. I mean the woman taking the last name. He called them Adam. He called them one. Not two. Not two individual personalities. One. Coming together. One accord. One mind. One mind. One soul. The illustration of sex is the perfect illustration. One flesh. One complete body. One soul. One mind. One heart. 
And there's a huge study that I would encourage you to go check out in Genesis chapter 5 that John does on adultery and marriage. And I'll bring something just quickly to you on this. The key to a marriage, my friends, if you want to know it, it is this. The key to a relationship is this. It's simple, it's easy. A relationship works out wonderfully when you are not putting pressure on the other. Now the question is, why is there pressure on the other? It's because your pressure has not been relieved in Jesus. It has not been relieved in the King. And so, if you have not gone away in the early of your day and spent time with the Lord, or not giving your, your, your problems, your request to the King every single day, every moment, then you will pressure the other person to be something, or do something, or act some way, or do this, or do that. And they cannot fulfill that for you. Jesus is the only perfect man. Jesus is the only perfect woman. Do you understand? And so, if you pressure them to be that person... They're going to fail you every time. And you're going to have a messed up life and a messed up marriage and a messed up relationship. Look at friendships even. What happens when your friend wrongs you or does something that you don't like? You have put pressure on them to be a certain person. They didn't live up to that and so now you're angry with them, you see. But if you were going to the king and relieving all your pressures, we're going to look at that tonight in a different way. But if you go to the king and relieve all your pressures and walking with him and spending time with him, then guess what? You don't expect the other to be a certain way because the king has already been that for you. You're fulfilled. Jesus is awesome. I love the Lord. Is it important to be compatible? Yeah, of course. Remember? Three, three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. There, you are made up of three different things. Body, you're looking at it, beard and all. Spirit, you know what I'm talking about? The spiritual aspects of life. Your connection with the king. Soul, your personality. Who you are. What you like to do. Three things line up. Body, hey, you better be attracted to one another. Because if you're not, well, they're just, you know, they're so, they're such sweet people. Oh, you know, they just really get me here. You know, I'm not romantically attracted to them, but that's okay. We, you know, I'm just a great friend. They're my best friend. I love being with them. Mistake, my friend. Because what happens when ten years go by and you don't want to have sex anymore, you know? And all of a sudden, husband or wife start looking to secretary or co-worker and, you know, they're looking pretty good. Or maybe pop-up comes up on the screen and my wife doesn't look like that. I'm not attracted, but I, man. Oh, snap. Then all of a sudden, everything starts to fall apart. Very important body, soul, personality. Hey, we like to do the same things. Now, this varies, of course, because, well, guys and girls just straight up don't like to do a lot of things, you know, together. It's like a compromise here and there, but you know what I'm talking about. You've you got to be able to relate. You've got to be able to talk. You've got to be able to hang out and do those things. Is any relationship perfect? No. Never going to be. Never going to happen. And if it did, I think you would hate it. Because if you had a perfect relationship, you would have nothing to work towards in life. And the longest treasure hunts are sometimes always the greatest finds. When you spend 10 years trying to work and make something happen, and it works out, and you have victory, oh, snap, are you happy? You know what I'm talking about? Sorry, viewers, I'm saying snap a lot. Sorry. Listeners. But you know what I'm talking about. Very important. Second, thirdly, spiritually. Hey, if somebody's a brand new believer, and you want to pray all the time, and go to church all the time, and do this and that, they're like, man, I don't, come on, I don't want to do that. Or if you feel spiritually like you want to go to church and the other says, I don't want to go, 
or I want to do this, or, oh, let's read the Bible right now. No, nah, I don't feel like it. Uh-oh. Especially when a guy is saying, you know, hey, let's go, you know, let's do this. Or a lot of times it's more or less the girl who is spiritual and the guy just doesn't want to put in the effort or the time. Be careful, ladies. Brothers, be careful. Three aspects, you want them to line up as best that you can. And you know what, if you marry the wrong person, that person becomes the number one in your life anyways. I believe it's a divine appointment from God. If you've married the wrong person per se, or they don't, something doesn't line up, like one of the things don't line up, God is going to be that rest for you. And when you put forth effort in that area, if you ended up marrying in that way, like a lot of people say that, hey, older people, well, I married the wrong person, you know, and it's just been hard all these 20 years or whatever. It's been miserable, isn't that? Oh, snap, you're in trouble. Because you can go and find that rest in the Lord and come back and love them anyways. And where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. If you start investing in a person, your heart will follow after. I promise you that. It's like a guy who picks up a baby, maybe an adopted child, right? At first he's like, yeah, it's just a baby thrown up all over the place, you know, messing up a diaper, and I don't want to change his thing. As he invests, what? His treasure. Right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Investing treasure, taking care of the baby, hanging out, having a blast, what happens? His heart starts to fall, do you understand? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. You invest in a relationship. I've heard numerous mes- messages where a pastor will come to a wife and she says, you know, I don't want to you know, have sex with him, or I don't want to, you know, be physical with him, and this and that. He's such a jerk to me, and this and that. And I don't love him romantically anymore. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you give yourself to each other, and that way, physically, spiritually, and mentally, or your soul, personality-wise, your treasure will be, your treasure will be imputed into them, and your heart will follow after. Do you understand? like smiling. Remember we talked about that last week. Remember? Everybody smile really big. And instant joy. You know, there's a little bit of joy there. Why is that? Because, hey, action, treasure, heart follows feeling. It happens. Every time. It works. Where your treasure is, or your heart be also. And so we see here, male and female, you bless them. The first marriage, and he called their name Adam. I love it. And in the day when they were created, Verse 3, And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness and his image and called his name Seth. Appointed, he called him. That's his name. His name is Seth. Something interesting to note? The phrase here, after his image, do you see it? His own likeness after his image in verse 3. you see that? He created him in his own likeness after his image. It says, Adam, look at that note. And begat his son, or a son, in his own image. Who's? Adam's. Adam's own image, after his image, and called his name Seth. It's the same exact phrase that God uses in Genesis 1.26. I don't know what that means, but it's something interesting, and I didn't have time to look into it. I encourage you to check it out. There may be something more there. I could see the sinful nature following, right? Who's the image of Adam? Sinful nature, right? I created in my own image, or begat this son in my own image. The sinful nature follows continually throughout the line, the rest of history, the rest of eternity, the rest of humanity. Until our king comes and saves us, of course. See, 130 years here. 
And verse 4, And the days of Adam after he begat Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. That's a long time, and he died. Adam lived 930 years, my friends. And I'm sure you could talk to Jay or, you know, some other scholars in here that are all stoked out on evolution stuff. And you see bones, right, Jay? You see, like, you see uh, mandibles, you know, of jaws that are, like, massive. Where is it at? They have a, uh, a museum in Turkey where they have a human jawbone that can fit over uh, your entire shoulder blade. A so human head that can fit your shoulder blade through the mouth. That's pretty crazy. They, they think it's the jawbone of Noah and his wife, actually. So you know, and you see, and you, you see, you see giants. You know, you see, you know, femurs that are just, I mean, monstrous and massive. And you know, we know that giants lived back in the days, but the reason why is because. What is it, Jay? Those, those bones never stop growing, correct? Scientifically proven that the longer you live, uh, you, the brow ridge uh, never stops. Brow ridge here. It stops growing. Your jaw never stops elongating. The back of your head never stops elongating. Therefore, when we find these bones in the ground that look like uh, you know, uh, these transitional fossils between you know, man and ape, it's actually an extremely old human being. So swing batter, there you go. People really did live this long. And I believe the reason why they lived that long is because, guess what? Sin had barely entered into the land. The soil was still wonderful, right? They ate from the ground. All they ate was from the ground. They weren't going to In-N-Out or uh, McDonald's and eating, okay? They weren't breathing in all this smog and nasty stuff, okay? The earth had just been perfect, and now it is starting to deteriorate. And it's been deteriorating, right? Second law of thermodynamics, you know it. It's deteriorating, it's losing its gas, it's losing energy, it's losing motion, it's losing light. It's all going away, it's all fading away. And we know that, we see that. Adam, 930 years. Let's move on. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. 912 something interesting, you'll see the ages start to decrease until we get to uh, Methuselah there. Actually, Enoch and then Methuselah. Oh, well, Methuselah, sorry. Um, Let's look at verse 7. And Seth lived after he begot Enoch 807 years and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. In verse 9, and Enoch lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. Verse 12, And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahaliel. And Canaan lived after he and Mahaliel 840 years begat sons and daughters. And Verse 14, And all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. And Mahaliel lived 65 years and begat Jared. And Mahaliel lived after he begat Jared 830 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahaliel were 890 years, 95 years, and he died. And Jared, verse 18, lived 802 years and he begat Enoch. Enoch means dedicated. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. Verse 20, And all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. And Enoch lived 
65 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And Methuselah lived 987 years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 782 years and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Methuselah were 969 years. We're going to stop there real quick. We've got a lot to talk about. Now, we see a lot of begatting, and they said did who, and this and that, and they had this kid. Notice, the two biggest things that are happening here is what? God is saying, a man lived up to this point, had a child, and then died. Two key points to a man's life. Number one, his first child. His first son. His name being passed down to the next generation. Being established. I wonder if any of these guys had... They had to. Had a daughter first, maybe? Or were all these guys just had sons immediately? That was the first thing that came out of their wife. I mean, this is kind of awkward that the first listing is a man and it shows the exact year of the listing of the man and secondly the listing of when they die. Two monumental things in a person's life. The most monumental, I believe. I think when you see a child born something happens to you and I don't know what that is because I haven't seen that happen for myself. But I believe when it does, when you see life coming into being you creating something. Just as God creating this earth, creating mad, was something amazing. You creating life, monumental in your life. It's amazing, probably the greatest joy people say in their life, seeing their baby born, you know. Maybe many people say that time and time again. The first time they saw a child born. Amazing. I created that. Awesome. And the most devastating thing is what? Death. It's the thing that takes our breath away. It's something that us humans not supposed to experience. Did you know that? You know, I've heard a couple times that scientists say that our hearts are supposed to, were made to beat forever. They could beat forever if we were up in health. We would just continue going on and on and on. If we didn't have sin in our lives, sinful, the sinful nature. So we see two monumental things here. We see life and death. King has given us life and saved us from death. The Christian will die one death. The non-believer will die two. You know that and I know that. So we see here, what was the establishment? Well, I, I think, number one, why did God write this? Number one, I think, to show us life and death. To see that life is short. To see that life could be summed up in a sentence, whether it's 969 years or 60 years. That when a man that's 80 years old looks back on his life, that's probably what he looks at. His children. Not how much money he made. Not how successful he was. But I think his kids and what they are and who they are. Monumental, my friends. What generation will you leave when you raise up your kids? You must start now. And secondly, when you die, they're either scared of death or long for it. I spoke to an 81-year-old man this last week, sat down and talked with him, I love it. His name's Glenn. He gave me the Lincoln, the boat that you guys used to see all the time, he's me cruising in. 
was going to do a song, but I'm not going to do it. My G-Ride, my Gangster, the Shaggin' Wagon, truly, I shagged it out, you know, it was like all shagged everywhere in the interior, it's tight. It was the Gangster Ride to the Max, but Glenn, 81 years old, gave it to me, and you know what he said to me? He said, I'm waiting to die. This fool's ready to die. I mean, the streets of gold, the door is right there. He's about to walk through the the door of heaven and step in and walk with Jesus. He is ready. What a great life. What an awesome adventure. I can't wait. And I said, man, I said to him, I was like, well, I don't want to be like you, man. He said, you are. Because we are on the verge of heaven, my friends. Something that John told me when I was in the desert, he said, listen to old people. Sit down and get as much wisdom as you can from them. They live three lives of you already. You can never listen enough to an older person because, hey, they've either messed up a million times in life and you can learn from all their situations that they've succeeded a million times in life and you can learn how to succeed from their situations. Do you understand? I wish I had gray hair. Not that you could see, but gray hair here. I wish I knew what a 50, 60, 70-year-old man knew right now in my time. I'd be the greatest scholar on the face of the earth, man. Kids would come everywhere to come and hear me talk. <laughs> you know. But we long for that. We need that. We need that understanding, my friends. Secondly here, Enoch. One of my favorite characters in the entire Bible. Probably is. Because he didn't have a ministry. He didn't build a church. He didn't ever pray for anybody. Nope. Didn't ever read his Bible. Nope. Didn't do any kind of work other than what? What does it say there? Do you you see that? Check it out. Verse 24. What does it say? Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. It says right there in verse 23, 365 years were all the days of Enoch. But it says that when he had Methuselah, who is Methuselah? His son, of course. But when he had him... Methuselah meaning, dying he shall send. That's the name of Methuselah. That's what it means. Dying he shall send. Dying he shall send what? Well, you know, Bible scholars, students, the flood. Did you know that the day that Methuselah died, 969 years, was the day that what? Or the year Methuselah died, I'm sorry, was was the year that what? The flood came. And that is awesome grace. I love it. And this is why. The longest man to ever won't live. 969 years. So happens to be the time length that God says what? I'm going to hold back my arm and not throw judgment down on you people. I'm going to hold it back as long as I possibly can. 969 years, God holds back the flood that would destroy the wicked. Gives them grace. You can come, get in the boat, all of you. There's plenty of room. Nope. Nobody got on. And that's the grace of God in us in our time too. Do you know that this is the grace age they call it? In the dispensations of the Bible, right now we are in the grace period. Because you don't have to do anything. There's no sacrifice, there's no nothing. You just say, Jesus is Lord, and you get into heaven. Man, that's easy. That's how gracious God is. And those 969 years are happening right now. The flood is coming soon. What's that? You know it. The rapture happens, Noah's taken up, we go up on the ark, me and you. The waters rise, and we go up in the ark, and we are with the king in heaven. The water's coming to destroy the earth. The tribulation period is coming. But Enoch, why do I love Enoch so much? 
Because he walked with God and he was no more. Because God looked down on him and said, Man, Enoch, you, all you do is walk and talk with me all day. You fulfilled the number one commandment all the days of your life. 300 years you've done this. Number one commandment. And God said what? Hey, Enoch, you just walk with me every day anyways. Get up here. Come and hang out for the rest of your eternity, man. What are you waiting for? You're my best friend anyways. We hang out all day every day. You're so focused on me. And I think about that, and I long for that sometimes, you know. I would love, and I don't feel, I mean, the Lord hasn't allowed me to do that, but man, I want to. I hear my heart's cry many times. It's like, Lord, just me and you. I just want to go out in the desert and just hang out with you for the rest of my life, you know, and just, just be with you. That sounds like fun. That sounds awesome. I don't have any stress of trying to do this or do that or trying to fill this and get that and do this. I like just being with you. You make me happy. And we can do that in this life, my friends. You know, the Bible also says that God was well pleased with Enoch in Hebrews chapter 11. Well pleased! You know, that word pleased was only used one other time in the New Testament. Guess for who? Jesus. And Enoch got it too. Because he didn't try to do anything else for anybody else except for Jesus the King himself. He was walking and talking with him in those days. May we do that in this day. Enoch, what changed his life? It says as soon as he had Methuselah, remember? All of a sudden his life changed and for three and a years he walked with God. He lived 65 years, had a kid named Methuselah, dying he shall send the flood, or dying he shall send. Guess what his life changed? That's what it takes a lot of times for our lives. It's a big, monumental, crazy something to happen. To shake us up. To get our attention. And praise the Lord. The Lord does that for us, huh? And so we're going to stop there real quick. And we're going to... What time are we looking at? We're going to finish up in just a sec. But something real quick. Many of you know it already. And those of you don't... Hey, if you're taking notes... Or you're not taking notes, you need to grab a pen. And if you don't... If you don't know what's hidden here within these names, then you need to. And this is crazy. It's going to blow your face off four times, then put it back on, and you're going to be blessed. And if you do know it, then praise the Lord. You don't need to write down. I should have printed this out for you guys. I'm sorry. Write this down, okay? Number one, we're going to look at each name in Genesis chapter 5 real quick, and I'm going to give you the name and the definition of the name, okay? What the name means, okay? You need to know this. You need to write this down so you can show the atheist next time you talk to him. Huh? Does your book do this? I don't think so. Uh-huh. Mine does. And I've shown it to an atheist, and she turned white right before me and Jay. It was crazy. She turned like a ghost, man. She couldn't believe it. I'm sorry, it was the other one, but it was Psalm 118.11. Genesis chapter 5. So, we're going to look at each name. I'm going to give you a definition of the name. Are you ready? The word Adam means what? Man. Write down Adam. Write down the word man. Adam means man. The next name, remember Adam had Seth. Seth means appointed. Seth. Appointed. Seth means appointed. Adam, man, Seth, appointed his son. Seth had Enosh. E-N-O-S-H. Or E-N-O-S. King James pronounces it. Enosh means subject to death. Subject to death is the meaning of his name. Enosh, subject to death. Seth's son. 
Kanan. K-E-N-A-N. K-E-N-A-N. Kanan Enoshun, his name means sorrowful. Sorrowful. You heard it? Sorrowful. Kanan, sorrowful. Mahalalel, as I tried to say it earlier and it wasn't working, I'm just going to spell it for you. M-A-H-A-L-A-L-E-L. M-A-H-A-L-A-L-E-L. Okay? His name means from the presence of God. From the presence of God. From the presence of God. Mahalalel, Canaan's son. Jared is the next. Jared is the next. J-A-R-E-D. Jared's name means one comes down. One comes down. One comes down. So we've got Adam, man. Seth appointed. Enosh means subject to death. Canaan, sorrowful. Mahalalel, from the presence of God. Jared, one comes down. You hear that? One comes down. Enoch means dedicated. Enoch means dedicated. Jared's son, Enoch. Dedicated, my favorite guy. Methuselah, M-E-T-H-U-S-E-L-A-H. Methuselah. Dying he shall send. Remember? Dying he shall send the flood. We just looked at that. Dying he shall send. Enoch's son, the man who lived 969 years, the longest man to ever live. God's grace shown through this man's life. Methuselah, dying he shall send. Lamech, L-A-M-E-C-H. L-A-M-E-C-H. Lamech means poor and lonely, or to the poor and lowly. Poor and lowly, or to the poor and lowly. And the last one, Noah. Rest. Or comfort. Noah. N-O-A-H. You know what I'm talking about? I know, I know. No laughs. Whatever. Noah means rest or comfort. Rest or comfort. Okay, so let me go through it again. Adam, man, Seth, appointed. Enosh, subject to death. Canaan, sorrowful. Mahalalel, from the presence of God. Jared, one comes down. Enoch, dedicated. Methuselah, dying he shall send. Lamech to the poor and lowly, and Noah rest or comfort. Check this out. Many people look at genealogies and say, what the is going on here? Why is this in the Bible? Why do we have listings and listings and li- of names? Who needs this anyways? Why would God do this? Why would God put this in the Bible? It's a waste of time. God says, no, it's not. I put every single thing in the Bible for a, re- for a meaning and for a reason. And he has done it just in this way. Listen here. Genesis chapter 5 is a genealogy from Adam to Noah. We've given the names and the meanings of each one. And this is what you do. What you do is you take it and now put the meaning of each name side by side and you just read it. It reads like this. Okay, listen. Man appointed, subject to death, sorrowful. From the presence of God, one comes down dedicated. Dying he shall send to the poor and lowly rest. It's the gospel message, my friends. It's the gospel message in Genesis chapter 5 in the genealogy. Listen again. 
Man appointed subject to death. Who's that? Jesus our King. Sorrowful. The man of sorrows. Jeremiah. The man of sorrows who weeps over Jerusalem. From the presence of God one comes down dedicated. Jesus our King. Dying. He shall send to the poor and lowly. Hey, that was me and you. Rest. Rest. This is unbelievable. Do you think when Moses was writing Genesis chapter 5 down that he knew this? He was just writing a genealogy of what the Lord was telling him to write down. This is unbelievable. This is Jesus stuff, my friends. Atheist, stand down. Agnostic, where are you at? You can't mess with the king. Don't try. It's truly amazing. And that is great motivation for you and I to read this thing back and forth and to study through it and to know it intimately. This thing is alive. It predicts the future 1,800 times, supposedly fulfilled 1,500. Impossible. Nostradamus, where are you at? You know, we got nothing on the Bible. Made a couple predictions. Hey, maybe they came true, maybe they didn't. Wow, bravo. You made four predictions. Snap. I look at it this way. If the Bible was did half what it said it did. 1,500, say it did only 750. Say it did 350. Say it did 100 predictions, 100% accurate. Slap you in the face, Nostradamus, Mr. Predictor. Telling the future. Quran, where you at? Book of Mormon, what you got? Watchtower Society, you're a little slow. Buddha, here's a penny. You see, nothing can compare to this. The Word of God is awesome. It speaks to your heart and mind. And I was going to take you guys, I don't have time because I've babbled on for quite a while. I was going to take you through Psalm 119 the longest chapter in the Bible. Yeah, we're going to move through it. And maybe we'll know next week. Psalm 119, the whole chapter. The longest chapter in the Bible. I love it. If the Lord is going to be exhaustive about saying something, what would it be? The whole thing is about, guess what? The Word of God. And how awesome and powerful and amazing it is. How it brings you success in life. Hey, atheists, do you know that if you don't believe in God, and if you just apply the principles of the Bible to your life, you'll become the most successful, rich man on the face of the earth? You truly will. In everything that you do, because you do it in the King. Even if people mock you and despise you, you will somehow find a way because you keep working hard. Everything may be taken away from you at times in life, but you will always climb the ladder. You'll always be at the top. Because the Word of God teaches you this. You will have the most happy and joyful life ever if you follow this book. Your life will operate correctly if you follow this book. A lot of people are like, oh, the Bible's just a bunch of rules and regulations, man. That's a lame. It is rules and regulations. But they're wonderful rules for our lives. If I gave you a bunch of rules on how to become a millionaire, guess what? You follow them. If I gave you a bunch of rules on how to be happy, you'd do that too, wouldn't you? 
God doesn't set rules and regulations up for us, what? To spoil our party. He sets up rules and regulations to give us the party. Holiness is happiness, my friends. Striving after this is happiness. When you know this back and forth, who can rise up against you? Who? Nobody. When a problem or situation comes into your life, what can you do? Lord, you cause all things to work together for good. Romans 8, 28. Say, cast your burden upon me and I will give you rest. And I'm going to. You say you're going to give me a peace that surpasses understanding. I'm okay. I love Matthew chapter 6. You provide for the birds in the sky. Hey, of course you're going to provide for me. I don't have to worry. When you know the word of God, you can apply it to your life continually. All kinds of sweet little things in Proverbs. Like something like this. Do you know that? If somebody does something wrong to you, and is a jerk to you, and is your enemy, that if you do good things for them, it's like taking coals and throwing them on their head. It gets them real ticked off. It gets them really angry. And we don't do it to get them angry, but we do them to show them the love of God. See, you think, me and you, the human thinks that what? Well, I'm going to get revenge and hammer them in this way or do this and that. You idiot. You don't know anything. Well, I'm going to go and talk bad about him and tell somebody this about him. This, that. Loser. You missed it. You go and bless him. Go and take him out to lunch. Go give him a $50 gift card to claim jumper. Oh, snap. Why would I do that? Because this is the manual to life. Everything you'll ever need to know. We would look at Genesis chapter 5. That's a waste of text. God would look at it and say, Hey, could you say the gospel message in an easier sentence? Not me. He's got it down. He knows what he's doing. It's all there for you. The Bible has layers, okay? Know this, brothers. Sisters, listen up. The Bible has layers. And the more that you read this thing, the first time you read it, that doesn't make sense. What's all these numbers for? Uh Uh-oh. Watch out. The numbers represent very awesome and amazing things. Man, I have all these things running through my head that I want to share and say. One. Okay, I'll bring one. The numbers, guess what? Numbers, I believe it's right there, right in the beginning of the book. I can't remember the exact chapter, and I'll find it for you. Actually, I don't have it here. But when the numbers are given to the tribes and the congregations of the people, because I can't remember which prophet, I believe it's either uh, Joshua standing up there on the hill looking over, or Balaam maybe looking over. Guess what? If you take the numbers of the people of the tribes and where they're positioned, north, south, east, west, you got like, say if I was to get the number game for you, okay? Say there was 10 people here and 10 people here, okay? Like in positioning. Here's, uh, you know, here's east and here's west. You got 10 people here sitting in the east and 10 people here sitting in the west. Then you have, you know, uh, another 10 people up here, or how about 12 people right here, okay? We'll say 12 people, 10 people east, 10 people, 12 people north, and guess what? Maybe 50 people south. Now, what does that mean? Why does that give any kind of reference to anything? Well, if you see that, if you're looking up on a hill and you see these people lined up in the way that they were in the tabernacle shape and the way that they would line up their tents all together, guess what? 
If you're looking from the mountain, you see what? You see 12 up here. You see, ten, say, 12,000, 10,000, 10,000, and 50,000 here. It's a picture of a cross, my friends. As you look over the mountain, as you look down, you see the positioning of the way they have their tents, and you see what? Like, the cross here would be a little bit longer than the two sides here. You see 12 here, 12,000 here, 10 here, the exact amount on each side, or right around the exact amount on each side, and the bottom is like, you know, five times as much as the top, and you have a perfect picture of a cross found right there in Numbers. And see, we don't look into these kind of things. We don't think about these kind of things. But when you start to listen to the Word of God and start to listen to His heart as He's speaking to you through the Scriptures, and the more you read through it, and the more you read through it, you're going to get it. Chase after the Word of God. There's nothing like it. This thing is amazing. I've hidden these words in my heart, O Lord, that I may not sin against you. That's why we do Scripture worship. And to know the Word. But most importantly... Don't just know the book. Know the author. Spend time with him. He wrote it. Don't miss out on what's in here. I would encourage you, one of you, maybe challenge for tonight, for tomorrow. Go slowly through Psalms 119, okay? Please, I beg and plead with you. Go slowly through it. Take a pen with you and read things and read it and read it and read it. If you don't understand it, read it a couple times and say, Lord, I don't understand that one. Move on to the next one. And mow through and watch the Lord blow your face off. Watch all the little prayers, like two scripture prayers that David prays, and you're like, that's me! That's me, Lord. I pray that unto you too. I want to pray that. I'm going to pray that right now. Lord, do you hear me praying this? Watch the little promises that are given. And it's all hidden in here. Amazing. If God was going to be exhausted on something... He tell you, just as I'm being exhausted tonight, to get into this. To spend time in this. To get locked in in this. Don't be a Pharisee. I know a man who said, I've spent more time in this than I have with the Lord. In prayer. That's the biggest mistake of my life. And I'm doing as much as I can to spend more time in prayer than I have in this. Or a balance. Don't go to the book. Go to the author first. And ask him about the book. Read a couple of verses and say, Lord, what does this mean? And let him speak to your heart. Conversational reading. I love you guys. And... Um, I want us to be students of the Word. I want us to know this thing back and forth. I know that you guys do. You guys are well taught and well versed. The way we may we know it. The key to reading Scripture is looking for Jesus in every single text. That is the key to Scripture. Looking for Jesus and seeing Him there. He's there. I promise you. That's what this whole book is shaped around. Is the King. So let me finish reading Genesis chapter 5. And I promise I won't give you any more commentary. Let's start in verse 28. And Lamech lived 182 years and begat a son. And he called his name Noah. 
saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands, because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. Interesting phrase there. Check it out for yourself. Verse 30, And Lamech lived after he begat Noah 595 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And there is the end of Genesis chapter 5. Can I read you the last verse in Genesis chapter 119? I mean Genesis, Psalms 119. You listen, you don't have to turn there, just listen. David, king of Israel, says this to you and I, and he says this. I, verse 176, I, have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Lord, Lord, that is our prayer tonight. I, Josh Thompson, have gone away as lost sheep. Seek thy servant. For I will do the best I can to keep your commandments. Seek me, O king. Chase after me. Reprove me, Lord. Make me the man that I need to be. Don't let me be this person anymore. I don't want to be me. I want to be what you want me to be. Hear the cry of our hearts tonight. Make us the men and women you want us to be. Raise up an army within this place that we would go to wherever we go to church, Lord, and bless those people and minister unto them as you lead and guide us. Not doing it as work, King, just because you would like us to or because you have spoken to us to. Lord, Seek us, please. I know I'm asking for a lot, King. I know. I, I, it's because we don't seek you enough. We need you to seek us. We're lost sheep. Chase after us, Lord. Stir in our hearts passion and fire for you, King. Thank you for being good unto us. We love you. And we commit ourselves to you. Thank you for speaking to us. Be real. Anything you need, we're here for you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you leave, or as we walk away right now, we have communion. And I don't want you to forget the whole reason why we came here, okay? I would encourage you, hey, take some element by yourself. You can go outside, go out in the front, go anywhere in the house. Not anywhere. Stay tuned. Yeah, amen. <laughs> but anywhere out here, you know, and just sit in my house. Sorry. But you know what I'm saying. And would you just take maybe just, you know, two or three, maybe five minutes if you feel led.
And just go and thank the Lord and say, I know what you did for me, okay? Don't forget what this game is all about. We have salvation, why? Because he died for us. Amen? So would you be so wonderful to the king? Go and bless him. Go and love on him and say thank you. And I thank you guys for listening to me tonight. It's been a blessing to me. I love you guys. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens next week and in the future as we grow together and start to change the people around us by the way that we live for Jesus. Let them see Jesus in our lives. I love you guys. Blessings. Let's go spend some time with the king.